Acts chapter 13, y'all. Let's go there um, if you can. And if you will, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And as you know, we're going to just meditate on the word, spending a few moments in the reading of the word and a few moments in the reflection of the word. We will be in Acts chapter 13. And as we read this, we're going to prayerfully ask three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question we're going to ask. The second question is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question we're going to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? Let's get to it. We're going to read. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment, this time that you've given us, that you've afforded to us to spend in your word. Lord, I just pray that you would bless us today. Lord, give us grace as we, uh, Lord, gather together. Some of us on uh, live on Discord. Some of us will be uh, listening to this on Patreon. Uh, and some of us later will be listening to this on the podcast. And Father, I just pray that you would uh, bless us, Lord, as we engage with your word. Father, we pray that you reveal the truth of who you are, reveal your glory, reveal, Lord, your heart, your will, your mission. And Father, expose in us, Lord, uh, what do you intend to expose in us today as we read your word? Lord, let it convict us. Let it encourage us. Let it inspire us. Let it correct us. Build us up, Lord, as we read today. Let us become more like you in our time. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 13, read with me as we get into the word today. This says this in verse one. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. And they fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, then they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there, they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived to Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. Now, when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the sorcerer, for so his name was translated, withstood them seeking the truth, sorry, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him, and said, O fool of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. 
Now, when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John departed from them, returned to Jerusalem. And when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after reading, after the reading of the law and the prophets, the ruler, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them saying, men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Then Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he brought them out of it. Now for a time, of about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment. After that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, he asked for a king. So God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And when they removed him, he raised up for them David as a king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up a savior, Jesus. After John had first preached before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, who do you think I am? I am not he, but behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abram, and those among you who fear God, to the word of this salvation has been sent. For those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled them in condemning him. And they found no cause for death by him, sorry, death in him. They asked Pilate that he should be put to death. Now, when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree, laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. But God raised him from the dead. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are witnesses to the people. And we declare to you glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, and that he raised up Jesus as it is written in the second Psalm. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has thus spoken. I will give you the sure mercies of David. Therefore, he also says in another Psalm, you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was buried by his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up saw no corruption. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, that though, sorry, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. 
and by him everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one word to declare it to you. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Now, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blasphemy, they oppose the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and judge yourselves worthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation, sorry, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life, believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout the, all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from that region. But they shook off the dust of the feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Chapter 14. Now it happened in Iconium that they went together in the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derb, cities of Lacaonia, and to the surrounding region. They were preaching the gospel there. Verse 8, And in Lystra a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. And, and he said this with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he, and he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying, 
in the Laconian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was a chief speaker. And the priests of Zeus, whose temple was in front of the city, brought oxen and garland to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you, and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God, who made heaven to the earth, sorry, who made, who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. And the Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there. Having persuaded the multitudes, stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derb. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra. Sorry, guys, my. Let me finish it here. I just lost my Bible for a second. And when they had preached the gospel so that the city Sorry, let's do let's start from verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commanded them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. Now, when they had preached the word in Perga. Sorry. My devices are all out of control today. <laughs> now, when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. From there, they sailed to Antioch when they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Now, when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. I'm going to stop right here. I'm sure now you... If you've spent time with us reading through the book of Acts, you have a pretty good image of what revival looks like. If you've been journeying with us through the book of Acts, you can see what 
the birth of the church looked like, the many stages of the birth of the church, beginning from the waiting of the, of the disciples for the promise of the Father, as we saw in Acts chapter 1, to the consequence of what would come after the promise of the Father, the promise of the Father being the Holy Spirit, and what would come after the promise of the Father, which is power. Power that would allow them to be witnesses to him, that would empower them to be witnesses to him. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and at last to the ends of the earth. And we're seeing all of this come to fruition. It did first start in Jerusalem. And then it went to Samaria. Sorry, it went to Judea. And then it went to Samaria, the gospel being preached. Thousands coming to faith. People meeting from house to house, then inspired to bring the message of Jesus. This was a movement from top to bottom that shook the foundations of every institution. Because Christianity, the faith, the way, God, the body of Christ, the church of God, transcends institutions and organizations. The church is not an organization. It is an organism. And in that organism, there are organizations. There are organs. <laughs> in that organism, there are organs that function uh, symbiotically. There are, organ, there are organs that may specialize in one thing and specialize in another thing. But overall, while it can be organized, it is primarily an organism, not an organization. Side rant, the unfortunate thing is when the church prioritizes the organization and not the organism. Because when the church prioritizes the organization, it moves into commoditization. When the church prioritizes the organization, it moves towards economics and business and line items and budgets and bottom lines. When the church moves towards organization, sorry, organization and gives organization priority over organism, that's where the church begins to fall apart. I never have an issue with a church being organized. I don't have an issue with a church being a 501c3. I don't have an issue with uh, a church uh, running budgets because those things are necessary to propagate. And I believe that those constructs are divinely ordered and divinely oriented. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with organization. There's nothing wrong with, um, you know, uh, setting up a organization for perpetuity and for success. Nothing wrong with that. The problem is when the organization takes priority over the organism. When the institution takes priority 
over the body of Christ. And many churches, what has happened is, is that we measure the success of the church first by the line items, by the bottom lines, by attendance. I might get in trouble today. We measure success by how many people showed up to the church service, or we'll measure success by how many people tithed and gave money. We measure the success by how many buildings were built. That, that tends to be the measure of success. And when that is given priority, then that becomes a driving factor. And when that becomes a driving factor, then you move more into man-made constructs of how to manufacture the success. You don't need to preach Jesus to increase the number of people in a room. Uh-oh. You don't need to preach Jesus to put money in your pocket. You don't need to preach Jesus to grow your business. Uh-oh. You don't need to preach Jesus to open more campuses. Uh-oh. You don't need to preach Jesus to do those things. You just need good marketing strategy. Good leadership. Relax, Mark. <laughs> good leadership. You just need to develop good methodologies, best practices. Like those are the things that you can grow an organization with. And unfortunately, the church has relegated to prioritizing the organization over the organism. And in doing so, think they're winning because the numbers are growing. We think they're winning because we got more people showing up to our church who, who, who think they're winning because our giving has gone up, who think they're winning family because we're opening more campuses. McDonald's is opening more McDonald's. There are more branches being opened. But the church is not a fast food chain. The church is an organism. And it's not to say that your attendance numbers can't grow. And it isn't to say that the giving might go up. The giving should go up. It's not to say any of those things matter, but those things are not the priority. And unfortunately, because our church has made those the priority, our church has reverted to strategy. The things I just mentioned to you are tertiary to the success of the church. Tertiary. When the actual things that God is measuring may be the things that the church cannot measure. You cannot measure the impact of empowering someone to go and reach people for Jesus. You cannot measure the profound impact of someone making disciples. You cannot measure the impact of someone being at the hospital and praying 
and having another believer pray for them and for that person to be healed and to come to faith in Jesus. You cannot compute and you cannot tabulate, collect that kind of data comprehensively. And so the unfortunate thing is, is that our church today, they see the numbers of attendance going down. They see less engagement with the institution, with the business. They see less people showing up. They see giving going down. They see all these things going down and they presume that somehow the church is in decline. I call BS. I'm sorry, y'all. Forgive me later for that. Forgive me later, church. Because did Jesus not say that upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm calling it out. Because if the gates of hell will not prevail against his church, church Inc. might be in decline. But the church of God is still on the move. You cannot stop the growth of the church of God. You cannot stop a move of God. You cannot stop what God is doing. And maybe you might see declining numbers in the corporation, but you will not see a decline in the body. What if I told you there's more church happening now than before? And maybe there's less of the institutional stuff, the people who put the G who put Jesus's name on men of God and women of God, the people who, who idolize the institution and the building and idolize all the things that, you know, that fit within our cultural norm and our cultural constructs and our cultural methodologies. And they'll tell you that the church is in decline, but what if those people never were really following Jesus? Like, like what if those people never believed in Jesus? They believed in their church brand, who believed in a denomination, who believed in the person who was preaching Jesus, not necessarily Jesus. So just because those people fell away and fell off from those numbers, fam, those numbers may have never gone down. They were never there. Ooh, we, we are getting in trouble today. Pregnant pause. What if the church is actually growing? And what if God is doing a new thing? What if the church is actually growing and God is starting a new movement? What if there's actually an explosion of the church? It just doesn't look like Church Inc. What if more and more people are getting to know Jesus and not glorify the institution? And what if it's the institutional idolaters. Ooh, that's going to be the name of my episode. Institutional idolaters. 
What if it's the institutional idolaters that are all hot and bothered by what is happening when God is like, it's a new generation, it's a new time, God is doing something new. He will not, he will not receive this stale bread. I say that because maybe we need to stop measuring how many people come to church. And maybe we should start inspiring people to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus where they work, live and play what they do. Maybe the church is supposed to be more of a movement than a mausoleum. I know y'all thinking, where is Pastor Isaac getting this from? Somebody get him some coffee. Somebody get him a donut, something, because I don't know where he's going with this. Like, how, how did he get all this? Did you just read what we read? Because what I read is a tension between the religious institution and the church of God. Institutional idolaters and the church of God. Because when it is institutional idolatry, we follow cultural methodologies and cultural norms. Those best practices that I mentioned to you before, and we should see the church grow from those creeds and those practices and those normalities. Those are the things that we follow. And if we follow it, then it will move the way it ought to move. What happens when people stop moving on the man-made constructs that we call culture and religion? Christianity sits above culture. That's why it's countercultural. You will lose friends in the culture if you are a follower of Jesus, but you also lose friends in the institution of religion if you're a follower of Jesus. And when you move away from those man-made constructs, what do you stand on? The inspiration, the power of the Holy Spirit. What a novel idea to trust in the Holy Spirit and to lean on the Holy Spirit. What a crazy idea to pray and say, Lord, you tell me where to go and tell me what to do. What a wild idea to do something simply because the Holy Spirit told you to do it. How crazy is it if believers would lean on the Holy Spirit? My God, the things that God can do if we did. And if we read through Acts chapter 13, we see a movement that is fueled, driven by the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 13, it ends with, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I might send this episode to the folks that of this church that we're planting here, because our vision for Tampa, the reason our church is called Rue Tampa in Tampa is because we want to see a city filled with people, filled with the Spirit of God, not just an institution or an organization, but a city filled with people filled with the spirit of God. And that's something that we may never be able to measure because through 
our vision and through our ministry, someone may be filled with the Holy Spirit, inspired, who will be connected to God, connected to people, connected to their purpose, and they may go and we may never know it. We may never know the impact, the outcome of what it means to truly move by the power of the Holy Spirit and just see people filled with the Spirit of God to go and to bring faith, hope, and love to where they work, live, and play. And maybe I will never, ever get to meet that person. But when that person receives the message of Jesus, is inspired by the message of Jesus, grows in the Holy Spirit, and maybe they end up going to another church. Maybe they end up going somewhere else. Maybe they don't even become, quote unquote, members of my church, but we don't care because we want you to move and maybe we'd love for you to be part of what we're doing here. And we'd love for you to find guidance, to, to, to be in a community, to be nurtured, to be cared for, to be held accountable, to grow, because I truly believe that community is necessary to grow. But is that our measure of success is getting you simply to just show up and to sit down? Or is the true measure of success is to see people get up and go? What if we were led by the Holy Spirit? What if we were led by the ministry of the Holy Spirit? What if our city was filled with people, filled with the Spirit of God? Maybe we would see more God-made things than man-made things. If you read in Acts chapter 13, these men, what did they do? Before they started commissioning strategy, these men, what did they do at the beginning of verse two? They fasted and they prayed. They fasted. And then the Holy Spirit sent Barnabas and Saul out. What if the apostles, the missionaries, the ones who are called, they go not because they simply see a need, but because God sent them. There's a need everywhere, y'all fam. The world is a dark place. It needs light everywhere. But where is God calling you? Are you just going to good ideas or God ideas? Whew. It's getting hot in here. They fasted and prayed. The Holy Spirit spoke and sent them away. And they went. Verse 4 says, And being sent out by the Holy Spirit. Oh my goodness. Not by... Not by doctrine and strategy, not by methodology, not by dollars, not by anything, not by money. By, no, by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sent them. That was the priority. And it's there we saw God move in verse 9. Then Saul, who was called Paul, what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Goodness gracious. The Bible is telling you where true ministry success comes from. Not your theology degree. Not an endorsement from another mega pastor. From the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gave them the boldness to speak because it was the Holy Spirit that sent them, not organizations. There are many pastors that are afraid to preach the truth of the gospel because they're afraid to disturb the organization that sent them. 
They weren't sent to the city by the Holy Spirit. They weren't sent to the city by a prompting of the Holy Spirit. And because they weren't prompted by the Holy Spirit, but rather an organization, of course, they're going to preach the agenda of the organization and not the Holy Spirit. And because of that, they, they will tailor, ameliorate the message for the institution, not for the body. Oh, we can read all the way through. You already read it with me. I'm just ranting today. But as we read all the way through, they, they're preaching the gospel of Jesus, preaching the gospel. And in the end, it closes that chapter. They get kicked out. They get pushed out by who? The institution, because the institution didn't like what was being preached. Because the institution was seeing a message that pulled people away from the institution. Of course, the institution doesn't like it. You're pulling people away from the institution. Understand, I have no problem with people being part of a church and a member of a church. I actually think it's important. I have a problem with the church thinking that they're winning because people are just sitting there. Hoarded. Collected. Commoditized. And when the church is Church Inc., when it's the institution, when it's religion, people are seen more or less as products. How many people does your church have running? I'm going to get in trouble tonight. How many people, how many people you got in your church? Mm, what's the giving in your church? What should the message be? How many people have been inspired to move by the power of the Holy Spirit? And of course it messed them up. Of course the institution didn't like it. Of course the Jewish leaders didn't like it. Religion never likes it because religion is man-made. And God and religion do not mix Religion puts their idols and puts God, lifts up their idols and puts God's name on it. That's what religion does. And that's what Paul is calling out. That's what Barnabas is calling out. That's what Peter is calling out. That's what we've been seeing up to this point. And we see this movement happening and people being stirred up. And the Jews, those are the religious people. They don't like it. They're literally called Jews. They're ethnically Hebrew. They are religiously Jews. The word Jew is about a religious association, not about an ethnicity. I hope you understand that. It's another conversation for another day. Just because you're Hebrew doesn't mean you're Jewish. Just because you're Jewish doesn't mean you're Hebrew. Oh, sorry. We're going to get in trouble. 
to be Jewish is the same thing as saying I'm Baptist. It's just a, it's just an association, an affiliation with a with an institution. The problem is they didn't like it because these guys were preaching beyond religion. And the Jews got all stirred up. And watch this. It's the ones that had no religion, no structure, no construct. They're the ones who believed. They're the ones who pulled down all the pillars of institution. And I hope you're not hearing me. I hope what you I hope you're not hearing just tear down the institution of the church. That's not I hope that's not what you're getting. I hope what you're getting is let's not stand on that. If it's not moving us toward the move of God, then get rid of it. If it's getting in the way of a move of God, get rid of it. If I'm depending on it to see God move, get rid of it. No, it needs the filling of the Holy Spirit. This is why they are Messianic Jews, because Jesus fills it and transforms it. That's why there are Baptists who are disciples of Jesus and there are Baptists who are straight up demons. <laughs> That's why there are Pentecostals who love Jesus and are disciples of Jesus. And there are Pentecostals who are preaching demonic agendas. Don't ever think the association determines. I'm sorry. I told you I was going to be lit today. I don't know. I need to get myself some coffee real quick. I got a couple of minutes, so please help me here. Help me, Lord. And I'm going to speak and I'm going to speak and I'm going to speak because I want people to understand I'm not against the institution. I'm against the people that have made the institution the priority. You're more Baptist than you are Christian. You're more Pentecostal than you are Christian. You're more Democrat than you are Christian. You're more Republican than you are Christian. You're not Christian. If you are superimposing your agenda on Jesus and then putting Jesus' name on it, that's called idolatry and it's called blasphemy. And I see too much of it, too much of the blasphemy. I see it in our churches who tell you being Republican is being Christian. No, you can be Republican and be Christian. But please do not assume that your political ideals align with your faith in Jesus. Not in that way. Because even those political ideals fall short of the glory of God. Republican or Democrat, black or white, Latino or Hispanic, American or European. And there's something to embrace in it. There's something beautiful in it, but don't ever give it priority. And that's what we've done. And that's what we see in the text is the Jews. They cannot stand because the institutional idolaters cannot stand that their idols are being toppled over. And who receives it? It's the ones who have, who either had no idol or threw their idols down. 
It followed Jesus faithfully. And I want you to understand that the idolatry is not just in the institution of the church. The idolatry is in the culture. Institutional idolaters. The culture has the things that they make God, the things that they celebrate. And some will take Jesus and take the message of Jesus and impose it on there. Paul goes to Lystra. He starts preaching in Lystra. And immediately they wanted to call Paul Zeus. Sorry. They wanted to call Barnabas Zeus and they wanted to call Paul Hermes. Zeus is your God. Hermes is your God. And now you want to put your God on a man of God. Whoo! That's, that's today's culture, y'all. Institutional idolaters. And Paul, which I wish more pastors did, and I'll be the first to do it. More, I wish more pastors would remove that sense of of spiritual transcendence that they that people impose on them. Oh, I just feel the weight of this this thing that people have put on me. And you're not God, fam. You're not God. You're not even close. You're bootleg. And you're a terrible bootleg. And when people start esteeming you like they would esteem God, get out of the way. I'm too lit right now. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Move on out of the way. Soon as somebody exalts you above measure, you say, hold up. Y'all, I ain't no Zeus. I am not Hermes. And please don't make me that. We should weep as ministers and as pastors. Anybody who exalts me on God's level or tries to make me something elevated above what I am, fam. Got to call it out. Those are the things we have to mourn. Those are the things we have to weep. And notice they liked him when they could make him God. They liked him when they could make him God. But if they can't make him God, then what's the point? Idolatry, the culture and religion, religious, institutional idolaters. Today, family, if there's anything I want to challenge you with, is I want to challenge you with your commitment to trusting in the organism over the organization. The organization should feed the organism. The organization should never take priority over the organism. Pastors are second to the glory of the creator of the universe. The moment we start drawing people toward us, and not pointing them to the creator of the universe, to the holy and gracious God who loved us, who died for us, who gave his life that we may be restored in our status in him. If we're not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, then everything we do is in vain. And I'll take it one step further, blasphemy. So today, fam, 
Let's be convicted about where we are. Let's be convicted about what we truly exalt. Let's lift up the name of Jesus. Let our lives be known for our faith in Jesus. Let our ministries and our churches be known for the glory of Christ, not for the culture, not for what feels good, what feels right, not for what people want to make us out to be or superimpose their own will upon us, but to follow the will of the Lord. Let us be led by the Holy Spirit. Let us pray without ceasing, seeking the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Let us not be institutional idolaters, but let's glorify the creator of all. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the moment that you've given us, Lord, as we spent it in your word. Lord, we lit today. But my God, your, your word is lighting us on fire, lighting our hearts on fire, reminding us of who you've called us to be, what you've called us to do. So Lord, as we step into this day, Lord, Let's be convicted about what we represent, about who we are, and about who and what you've called us to do. Father, bless each and every person who hears this today. Let it stir something up in each and every one of us. Let us step into the higher calling to be children of the light, called out of the darkness into the marvelous light to be salt to to the earth, bringing glory to you in every crack and crevice of your world, that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Love y'all. I appreciate the time together. And um, as as I'll mention, and I'll, I'll just give a quick heads up, and I'll do an episode on this uh, starting. Um, so at the end of our reading of Acts, just a quick little announcement. At the end of our reading of Acts, we're going to be changing our rhythm. As you know, we've been doing the reading rant now for, whew, it's been a while now since we've been doing it. We, uh, I believe by, by tomorrow or by today, we will hit 250,000 downloads. We may have already hit it. I haven't checked today. Um, $250,000, a quarter of a million downloads of the Read and Rap podcast. It continues to grow every day. People are going back and reading through the entire Read and Rants. And so I've just been praying about what's next. For those of you who didn't know, when we started, we started this just through a prompting of those who said, hey, Pastor Isaac, can you can you record these and post these somewhere? And that's what we did. I started recording them and I said, all right, you know, I'll just post them on a podcast platform so you guys can check it out. And of course, it just blew up into what it is today. I want to say this, that once we get through, because once we started recording it, which we were already through the Gospels and we had already read through most of the book of Acts, we started the read and rant um, at the book of Romans And I believe we have those episodes, which we'll be posting as well. But once we are complete with the book of Acts, presuming that we already have Romans in place, once we finish the book of Acts, we're going to be changing our rhythm where we're going to continue to do the read and rant, but I will decelerate the, uh, 
the the uh, number of times I post every week on the podcast. We're going to be increasing more moments in reading and meditation of scripture, not through reading the entire swaths of text, like how we've done in the read and rant, but just through a deeper in-depth, just reading and meditation, the stuff that we're doing right now in a much more compact format. And we'll be doing that regularly on this platform. It won't be on the read and rant podcast. So after this, uh, we'll be decelerating our posts on the Reading Rant podcast, but we will continue everything we're doing here on Discord, continue to grow and to meditate and to go deeper in the word on 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 Discord. And we will be posting most of the content on Patreon. So we're going to be accelerating more content on Patreon, and we're going to be decelerating our content on the podcast platform. Since I really want to go deeper and more in-depth um, in the next season, I want to go deep with those who really, truly want to commit. So I want to encourage you guys, pray for us as we step into that. I'll give more details. I'm just sort of getting you guys ramped up so nobody is completely surprised. Uh, I want you guys to be aware of some of the pivots and some of the shifts that we're going to step into. So I'm just, I've been praying about it and I, and I know that's where the Lord's taking us next. And I'm really excited about it because I'm excited about how this can turn into a movement that's beyond measure as well. We did this to inspire you to go and to make disciples, to move in the power and the authority to carry the presence of God to where you work, live, and play. And I believe this as we're stepping into this next season, God is really going to inspire people to go higher, to do greater, and that we are going to have a chance um, to do this together. And so I look forward to that. Um, I'll give more details as we go, just kind of giving you an idea about what's going to happen with the Reading Rant podcast, which especially for those who are listening right now, who've been with us through the Reading Rant podcast, you're going to see that after the book of Acts, you're going to see a deceleration in the amount of content that gets posted on the podcast platform, but we will be continuing a healthy uh, rhythm and a clip on our Patreon platform. And of course, we'll be here regularly on Discord as well, continuing to grow. And um, and so, yeah, so you'll see, we'll, we'll be doing more prayers. Um, you know, it may be that we'll do prayers on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We're gonna be doing a reading, a d- in-depth reading of shorter, you know, portions of scripture and just meditating on shorter portions of scripture. Um, <clears throat> Um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So it, it's all to let you know, we're going to be changing up our strategy a little bit, uh, but I'm excited because we're just going to continue to go deeper and deeper into the word. But now that we've gotten the entire Bible on the Read and Rant podcast, I feel like I've got the liberality now to go and to start doing some new things with you guys so that we can grow deeper in his word. So yeah, stay tuned on Discord. If you're listening right now on the on the Reading Ramp podcast, I want to encourage you to go to patreon.com slash Isaac Frere, patreon.com slash I-S-A-A-C-F-R-E-R-E, patreon.com slash Isaac Frere, and also discord.gg slash Opus Frere, discord.gg slash Opus Frere. We're going to continue to grow our community and we're going to continue to commit to this mission. We are not going to stop y'all. We're just going deeper. We're going harder. And we believe that God is going to do even greater and bigger things. Love y'all fam. I will see you guys um, on Sunday for Bible study. God bless you guys. See you soon.